0: Hey guys, this is Eric. I'm one of the ministers here at the Robertsdale Church of Christ. I just want to say thank you for checking out this message. And I'd like to invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 1030 if you're ever in the Robertsdale area. If you want to find out more information about the Robertsdale Church, head over to our website at robertsdalechurch.com. All right, let's get to the message. I'm praying that God will use this message to bless you and will help you grow closer to Jesus Christ. Well, on the other side of every mountain, there is a valley. Few have experienced that. King David experienced that. He's been anointed to be king over Israel. Things are going good until they weren't. He's anointed to be king, but there's currently a king. His name is Saul. And if you're king, you really want your son to be the next king. So when David was anointed to be the next king, it presented a problem there. And so Saul starts to try to find ways to have David put to death. And so David flees. He's living on the run as this fugitive. And there's this scene in 1 Samuel chapter 30 where David and his men, he's got this band of 600 soldiers. They're camping out in this little community called Ziklag. And that's kind of their home base of operations. And they go to join up with the Philistines to try to fight back against what Saul is doing and while they're while they're gone there's this band of raiders called the Amalekites if you're a Mandalorian or Star Wars fan think like the Tusken Raiders and they come in while David and his men are out and they raid the village they burn everything to the ground and they take all the women and children captive David and his men get back and they realize what's happened And their hearts are broken. It's every man's worst nightmare. I can actually picture David channeling his inner Liam Neeson from the movie Taken, where he says, I have this particular set of skills, skills that I've acquired over a long career, skills that make me a nightmare, for a person like you. I don't know if he did that, that's just what I picture. And so, all of a sudden now, they're so upset and they're so angry, but then David's men, to complicate matters even more, actually get angry at David, and they're so angry with David that they are threatening to stone him to death. And so, David does something really interesting. He goes to Abiathar the priest, and he asks for the holy ephod. It's this priestly chest plate that he puts on and he goes into the tabernacle and he goes into the presence of God and he asks God what to do next. And David teaches us a powerful lesson that when you don't know if or when things will change, ask God to change you. Let me ask you this, what do you do when you don't know what to do? Where do you look when you find yourself at rock bottom? Sometimes we look to our friends, we ask them for advice. What do you think I should do? How can I get out of this situation? What do I need to do to make this better? Sometimes we go to Google, we type in what to do when, and then you fill in the blank with your particular scenario. Usually Google is a step ahead of you and they're already guessing what you're going to pick and it's generally in the top three of what you're looking for. Sometimes we go to our parents and we ask them for advice and wisdom. What do you think I should do here? Sometimes we turn to God all of us at some point if you haven't found yourself there at some point you will find yourself at rock bottom and you're going to do something you're going to turn somewhere. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been in this series called Summer Playlist, where we've been studying what's called the Psalms of the Ascent. There are 15 Psalms that God gave to Israel for them to listen to on repeat as they would travel from wherever they lived back to Jerusalem three times a year for the Holy Feast, for Passover, Pentecost, and also for the Feast of Tabernacles. And so as they're making that journey, they're citing, reciting, they're singing, they're listening to, they're reading the Psalms of the Ascent. We haven't studied all 15. We're only looking at five of them throughout this month, but they're powerful. In fact, this morning we sang two of them. The song as the mountains surround Jerusalem comes directly from the Psalms of the Ascent. Had it not been the Lord who was on our side comes directly from the Psalms of the Ascent. Beautiful Psalms, powerful reminders that when we don't know what to do, we need to ask God to change us. You see, life is a journey, right? Just like traveling from wherever you live back to Jerusalem, life is a journey. And sometimes it's a long journey, and not everything goes exactly the way that you thought it would. And so when you find yourself in a situation that you don't know what to do, the psalmist encourages you to cry out. Let's read Psalm one thirty. Together. It says, Out of the depths I call to you, Yahweh. Lord, listen to my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for help. Yahweh, if you considered sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that you may be revered. I wait for Yahweh. I, I wait and I put my hope in his word. I wait for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning, more than the watchman for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For there is faithful love with the Lord, and with him is redemption in abundance, and he will redeem Israel from all its sins. The psalmist starts out with an interesting phrase. The psalmist says, "'Out of the depths.'" The message translation says, help God, I'm at rock bottom. It's not a place that we want to be. It's not a place we want to stay in. In fact, it's really a place that we are trying to get out of because we don't enjoy pain, we don't enjoy suffering. We treat suffering as a problem to be solved. How can I work this problem? How can I fix it? What formula can I add into my life? What situations can I manipulate and control to get myself out of this situation? And we do that. Primarily because of the society that we live in, kind of because of our nature. We live in a microwave society. We're pretty impatient people. You read the instructions of how to make something, you're like, two and a half minutes? i got to put this in the microwave for two and a half minutes? That takes so long to cook. I think I'll just go to the drive-thru instead because, you know, that'll be quicker than a two and a half minute microwave meal. When something's wrong, we hop on the internet, we pull up WebMD, we type in all of our symptoms and we try to self-diagnose and figure out what's going on and kind of you know, probably complicate things even more in the process because we don't like to suffer. We wonder what's wrong, how can I get out of this? And what God does is when he sees our suffering, he actually views it as a journey. He views it as something that he can step into with us to let us know that we are never alone. And so a couple of things I want us to, to point out from Psalm 130 that are valuable reminders, especially this morning, If you find yourself calling out from the depths, if you find yourself living at rock bottom, maybe it's a marriage that's really struggling and you're not sure what the future is going to hold. You're not sure what to do. Maybe it's a relationship with a kid that's got you at rock bottom and that relationship has just been breaking down over time and it's getting worse. Maybe it's fear about your job. Maybe it's not as secure as it used to be. There's talks of layoffs maybe your performance has not been what you know it needs to be and your your job is in jeopardy as a result maybe It's some type of health issue that you've been dealing with. Maybe it's some type of mental health issue that you've been battling, anxiety, depression, something like that, that you are just battling day after day. Maybe it's grieving the loss of a loved one and you just find yourself at rock bottom and you identify with Psalm 130 because you're calling out from the depths and you're saying, God, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. Here's a couple of reminders for us this morning. First one is suffering is normal. We talk about suffering as though it it can sometimes be a weird thing that happens in life, but I love what Eugene Peterson wrote about Psalm 130. He said, this Psalm gives dignity to our suffering. Not every culture views suffering the way that we do. Other cultures view suffering as something to be dignified, as though it's almost like a rite of passage. It's just a natural part of life. And if you've lived enough years, then you know that suffering is normal. It is something that is actually normal to life. And it's not just something you'll experience once. You'll experience multiple times in life and sometimes in varying degrees. God did not create us to live a life that is always easy. There are things that happen that become struggles, But what God can do with your struggle is he can turn it into a classroom where we're so eager to leave and to just get out of it. God is eager to step in and to teach us something through our suffering. One of the things that he wants to teach us is to trust him. Now I've told you before, and I'll tell you many other times, I am not the most patient individual on the planet. I struggle with patience in many different areas of my life. And so learning to trust and learning to wait, man, that's a struggle in my life. Big time. I found this quote from a lady named Alicia Atkins. She said, To trust God as I wait requires practicing the discipline of remembrance. Recalling his wonderful works remagnetizes my heart Godward. Last week we looked at Psalm 121. And in Psalm 121, the psalmist starts out. Uh, when I lift my eyes to the hills, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And in last week's message, what we talked about is if you have this moment in your life where God worked powerfully, like he really showed up and the only way you were going to get through it is if God worked. And we t- described that as what's called an Ebenezer moment. The word azer is the word for help where God came and he provided security, he provided rescue, he provided deliverance for you. And that's the only way you got through. He created for you an Ebenezer moment. We talk about creating an Ebenezer object. Make something that you can actually look at that you're assigning meaning so that when you see that object, you remember that moment. So the next time you find yourself needing help, needing God to step in, and you wonder, where's my help going to come from? You look to this object and you say, my help comes from the Lord because he worked powerfully in my past. Therefore, he will work powerfully in my present. We need that reminder because when we find ourselves suffering, many times we forget how God has showed up. We call out, God, where are you? And he's using that to teach us to trust him. But he's also using it to teach us that he is enough. There's this thing that Paul writes about, the apostle Paul writes about in 2 Corinthians, I believe it's chapter 12. He describes it as a thorn in the flesh There have been scholars who have debated, like, what is the actual thorn? Some said it was a speech impediment. Others said it was a physical ailment. Either way, he had something that was wrong, something that was plaguing him, that he pleaded with God three times, God, please remove this from my life. And the message came back to him, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. He pleads, God, take this away from me. I don't want this there anymore. My grace is enough. My grace is enough. And so then Paul goes on to say, I'm going to boast about my weakness, about this thorn, about whatever it is that was bringing him difficulty and suffering. Because in that moment, God's strength was seen in his weakness. God will use your suffering to teach you that he is enough. When you lose everything, if you have God, you still have enough. And it's a reminder. And it's one of these lessons that's easier said than lived. It's easy for me to stand up and tell you about that than to actually live it. But it's a reminder for us to stick it into our mind, to put it within our heart so that when we find ourselves calling out from the depths, we remind ourselves suffering's normal. But he also teach you, he'll teach you through your suffering that he's in control. We want to, we want to control our own life. We want to make our decisions. We want to manipulate a situation exactly the way that we want it to go. But when you're at rock bottom and there's nothing you can do to change your situation, sometimes it's a reminder, God is in control. He is the sovereign Lord. And I, I just need to surrender to his will. Another thing that Psalm 130 teaches us is that suffering should be communal. The psalmist discovers something or reminds us of suffering that when he was in the depths and he cried out to Yahweh, what he experienced was the presence of Yahweh. It reminds me of Psalm 139 where the psalmist says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I run away that your presence can't be found? If I go into the heavens, you're there. If I ascend down into the depths... You are there. God is present everywhere. And so when you find yourself at rock bottom calling out from the depths, what you'll find is that you're not alone. Your heart feels alone sometimes, but you're not because God is there with you. But it's not just God that's there with you. There's other people in the depths with you. The depths is actually a place that a lot of people find themselves. And so when you find yourself at rock bottom, a lot of times you find yourself at rock bottom with other people who are at a rock bottom in their own life. I'm reminded of a friend of mine who a few years ago Uh, was diagnosed with a form of cancer. And so he had to go take chemotherapy treatments. And he later shared this story about how, as he was taking chemotherapy treatments, what he experienced was a new community. By going to the hospital or to the cancer center every day and being hooked up to this bag of liquid poison that's going to kill the cancer within his body, he found himself sitting by people that he would have never otherwise intersected with in life. And he built relationships. And he built friendships, friendships that are still with him today. People that he walked through the depths with, and he experienced a new community. And it was fascinating. It was transforming for him. Just a reminder that you're never alone in the depths. But here's the other thing. There's also your spiritual family that's called to enter into the depths with you. First Corinthians chapter 12, it describes the church as a body, like a physical body with different members, and it says in verse 26 that if one member of the body suffers, all the members of the body suffer with it. And that's true. If you've ever injured a part of your body, then you know it's not just that part of your body that hurts. It's like you, the rest of your body hurts. Some of us woke up this morning sore, aching, places hurting that we didn't even know could hurt. And you're like, wow, didn't know that could hurt today. All right, that's awesome. And, and it's not just that one little area, but it affects your whole body. You find yourself hurting all over the place. And if not hurting, you at least find yourself compensating for for that hurt and so maybe it's your knee that's bothering you but your body is compensating for the pain and you're trying to adjust to that even if it's your little pinky finger that's hurting your body is compensating for that and when Paul describes the church as a body he's trying to help us understand that when one member of the body is suffering the rest of us must feel that pain and we must step in and compensate for the pain that's being experienced We might have to step in and serve in a capacity where someone who was cannot. We might have to step in and offer assistance, offer help financially, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, physically, helping in some capacity to compensate for the pain because you don't suffer alone. In James chapter 5, James says, is any among you suffering? Is anybody suffering? Let them all pray. It's a crazy little verse that I've read for years and years and have just kind of assumed that if you're suffering, you should pray. But if you really look into it, the them is not the person that's suffering. The them is the the them, the whole, let them all pray. Pray for who? Pray for that person. And by praying, we're stepping in to their suffering, and we are bringing them before the presence of God and we're pleading with God on their behalf. We are going down into the depths and we're saying, you're not alone. I will lift you up. I will carry you. I will pray for you. I will bring you in front of the presence of God and ask God to step into your situation. And if not, to get you out of it, to faithfully walk with you through it. We can always improve as a church family on entering into the suffering of another individual. But here's the thing. And here's the challenge for us, some of us who really struggle with this. When you find yourself suffering, some of us really struggle with hiding that. I don't want you to see my struggle. I don't want you to see my suffering because I feel like it's weird. I feel like God is punishing me. I feel like I shouldn't be suffering, but it's normal and it should be communal. And so What our challenge is for those that are like me that want to handle it on your own want to hide it from other people The challenge is to invite other people into your suffering To say I can't do this alone I'm struggling and I need some help I need some people to walk with me and that requires you to swallow pride And it requires you to invite other people in and to let them help because while it would be awesome if all of us were able to pick up on hints and body language and all of that, some of us are kind of oblivious. And sometimes we just don't notice. And so this is why we're here. This is why we gather. to Say, hey, I'm struggling today. I need some help. We'll talk about that here in just a minute. But I also want to remind you from Psalm 130 that suffering is only seasonal. Sometimes it feels like suffering lasts forever, but there's a powerful phrase I heard years ago that says, this too shall pass. This too shall pass. And it's a good reminder that what you are experiencing will pass. Things will change. There's this story of a young man named Joseph in the book of Genesis, and He seems like a pretty good dude. He's one of Jacob's children, but his brothers don't like him. He's sold off into slavery. You thought you had sibling rivalry. They actually sold their brother as a slave, and he gets taken back to Egypt, and he's doing okay till he gets thrown in prison for a crime he didn't commit, and he's stuck in a pit. It literally describes the prison as a pit, and he's stuck in a pit for 13 years. And I'm sure it felt like an eternity. I can't imagine being wrongfully incarcerated for over a decade. But yet Joseph experienced it. And he trusted in the Lord. I'm sure he was frustrated. I'm sure he wondered why. I'm sure he could cry out as Psalm 130 says, Out of the depths, I'm calling out to you, Yahweh. I, I need some help. But it passed. His season of suffering came to an end. And it's a reminder for you and I when we find ourselves in that moment and we think this will never change. It will. Things will change. And when you don't know if or when those things will change, then just ask God to change you. Ask him to give you a new perspective. You've heard the phrase, you can't see the forest for all the trees. When you're in the moment of suffering, you can't see how things will change. So ask God to change you and to give you a new perspective so that you can step back and remember those times that God has worked, those times that God has delivered, those, God, those times that God has made a difference and brought about a change. But remember that God is using that to do something in your life, not just to get you out of it, but to step into it and to teach you something and to guide you through that so that you can be stronger in the long run. So that you can walk closer with him. Ask him to give you a, a new perspective. Ask him to give you new patience that you've never had before. And by doing that, he will grant to you through his spirit a supernatural patience as you're yielding and surrendering to him and asking him to work and trusting in his timing. All of a sudden, you'll find yourself with a new perspective and a new patience. And whatever the situation is, you'll be able to look at it completely different. That thing that was bothering you so much more, yeah, it's difficult but now you're trusting God and you're surrendering your cares and your worries to him as Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5 to cast all our cares before him because he cares for us. God wants to step into our suffering. He wants to be present with us and he is. He is there in the depths. So when you find yourself alone, look around. God is present with you. There's other people that are there at rock bottom and you got a church family that wants to share with you in your suffering. It is normal. It is something that we will all experience at some point in our life. Some of us, more than once. So, Israel, church, put your hope in the Lord. For there's faithful love with the Lord. And with him is redemption in abundance. And even though you don't always feel like it in the depths, he will redeem Israel from all her sins. I want to invite you this morning to trust in the Lord. If today you find yourself at the bottom, cry out to him. Cry out to God. He can handle it. He is not bothered by your doubts. He is not bothered by your concerns. He is inviting you to cry out to him. Be brutally honest with what your heart is experiencing and feeling in the depths. And you can because he already knows how your heart feels. So just voice that to him and be honest with him. And instead of just trying to fix the situation, focus on being faithful. By doing so, you'll learn to trust in him even more. Some of us want to fix everything, but people can't be fixed. Did you catch that? People cannot be fixed, but people can be healed. And praise the Lord, we know the one who is the great physician. And so if you're walking with someone in the depths, lead them to the great physician. If you're there in the depths, I wanna encourage you this morning to invite a community in to share with you in your struggle. Our shepherds are gonna be up front and in the back. They want to walk with you and guide you and pray with you through what's going on. And if you'd like to do that, during this song, you can talk with them. If, if you need to invite a group of friends into your struggle, I wanna encourage you today or this week, invite a friend or two to coffee. Share with them what's going on in your life. Invite someone into your suffering because you're not alone. You are never alone and God is always with you. This morning, if you wanna put Jesus on in baptism, we would love to celebrate with you and to rejoice with you, to see you become a child of God today. If there's anything we can do, please let us know as we stand and sing.